Walt Disney World, the magical place where anything's possible and your dreams come true. Until you're sitting in the executive suite with a major dilemma like, how does an organization with over 40,000 employees change its company culture to keep up with an evolving customer base? On this episode, we sat down with Walt Disney World's former Executive Vice President of Operations, Lee Cockerell, who shares how he led a cultural revolution inside the Magic Kingdom. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. For those joining us for the first time, a sincere welcome to the Kelly family. We're honored you chose just to spend time with us today. And for those who are regulars, we want to say that your support just means the world to us. Could you do us a favor? It would mean so much to Phil and I if you could go to your favorite podcasting app and rate our show. This helps our podcast grow. And for anyone who is wrestling with a business question, if you have a topic you'd like us to explore or just know someone who would make a great guest, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. I want to start with a question. How does an individual lead a team of over 40,000 employees? And an even bigger question, how does that someone lead an entire culture change in that same organization? We're so honored this week to have Walt Disney World's former executive vice president of operations, Lee Cockrell, on our show. Lee had to lead Disney World through a a once-in-a-generation transformation in corporate culture. When Lee came into his job in the mid-90s, the internet was asserting its presence, and it was very quickly realized that customers could register their pleasure or their complaints for everyone else to see. So it gave Lee a sense of urgency in making sure that the employees, or what he calls the cast members of Disney World, walked into work every day excited to serve their customers. Because if just one customer had a bad day, the whole market could hear about it. Lee saw the challenge in front of him, He took that challenge seriously, given the changes in technology and the changes in the marketplace. And he brought to the fore the Disney Great Leader Strategy, which was used to train a new generation of managers about customer service at Disney. It led to a whole new renaissance at Disney World in terms of the customer experience. It lifted the Disney brand. And Lee had an impact on the organization that's still felt today. And that's where we're going to start. And first off, we just want you to know that it takes intentionality even to try to begin to change your culture. Because as Lee said, if you have flies in your restaurant, you like flies. If you have rude children, well, you must like that. If you're not in good health, well, I guess that's your standard. Lee's going to help us explore four ways your organization can reinvent its company's culture. As organizational leaders, the first way we can experience a culture change is to start envisioning what our future culture looks like inside of our company. First, there was a lot of discussion. There was a team. I led a team for about a year where we met every week and talked about uh, what what does leadership look like at Disney? What do we want it to look like? What do we want it to look like two or three years from now? Because it takes time uh, to change your culture. It changed time to change the way you treat people. It used to be all about the customer. And in their 93, 94, 95, we came to understand that 
the business was changing because of the internet. You know, we could control all the marketing on TV because we had the money, but all of a sudden, here's the internet. Anybody can go on any site and find a place to go on vacation, and everybody can reach them. And so we sat down for about a year. We talked about this and uh, decided that the customer does not come first. The thing that comes first is leadership. Having leaders in place at every level that create an environment and a culture for the employees, the cast members, so they want to do a good job, not have to do because of the way they're treated, involved, listened to, their opinion counts, they get training, get development, they get opportunity, and then they take care of the guest because they want to, not because they have to. When you hear Lee's story, it underscores a couple of very important points if you're going to lead an organization in a new direction culturally. First of all, you obviously have to admit that you need to change. Typically, those changes are driven in your external environment. In this case, it was driven by technology and a new democratization of customers to share their experience with the rest of the world unfiltered by the company. And so he understood that if he's going to create that change, he needs to be very clear in his communication to employees and managers about why cast members get up in the morning and come to work in Orlando. And you have to be very, again, intentional and very focused in that communication. And if you're focused on answering the question why, and everything that you do reinforces that reason why people get up in the morning and come to work, then you're able to create an environment where you can push through a culture change to 5,000 managers who coach 45,000 cast members. The scale of change was intimidating, but what Lee did, and he almost makes it look easy, is he sets this wonderful cultural foundation that makes sense to anybody on their first day of work coming into the Disney World Resort. So after we envision this new culture where our company needs to be, the second thing we need to do is start ingraining those values into your organization. We weren't doing a great job in the beginning, and I was very frustrated that we were having not consistency in how we led the people and how we dealt with discipline and how we dealt with correction of performance and all. And I developed a document called Disney Great Leader Strategies. They still use it today. I took about a day and went sat with my direct reports and went over it line by line. Do you understand this? Do you understand this is what this is how we handle that. This is how we handle this. This this is the Disney way now. Then they had three weeks to roll it out to their managers. And then their managers had three or four weeks to roll it out to the next level until it got all the way down through the organization. It took about three months to roll out this clarity. And then I started doing a newsletter to reinforce it. it came out every Friday. Today, I would do a podcast. Every time I went to a meeting, I talked about these things. We created an environment and culture where today, 73,000 people wake up in Orlando and want to come to work, (laughs) not have to come. We've all been in those two different jobs. As we listen to Lee, there's two important things to emphasize here. First, you need to have a plan. They say that for every hour of planning that you spend, you save 10 hours of implementation. And when you're looking at organizational change, again, across 45,000 employees, you have to be very intentional. There's that word again, very intentional and specific in what you're going to achieve and how you're going to do it. That's why it took Lee a year to lay this out and think about it and then to roll it out. So plan. The second takeaway is you have to be very, very clear in a big organization serving millions of customers a year, there's a lot of noise. 
And it's very easy for the organization and the business to get ahead of you. When you're serving a premium brand like Disney and supporting it and delivering service to customers who have very high expectations every minute they're on the resort, there is no room for error. And so the clarity of what's important, why it's important, and how do you manage both challenges but also celebrate accomplishments is key to the success. Clarity creates a lot of good things, lack of misunderstandings, uh, consistency in service, consistency in uh, how you treat people, no no, no uh, being accused of favoritism from the managers, uh, just focus on performance and not anything else. We were being real clear that you're now in a show. And if you can't perform in this show, you can't be in the show. Just like on Broadway, if you can't sing anymore, you're not in the show. <laughs> or if you can't kick high enough in the dance or remember your lines, what you can. So about 20 to 25% of the people decide they don't want to work for Disney because of that clarity of expectations. Because people say, hey, I don't want to work in a place like that. It's like the Army. And I said, that's right. That's why we got the best Army in the world, discipline. Yeah, so that works, and the people that stay, they understand there's no lack of clarity. We have less turnover. We have less uh, having to coach and counsel and get lawyers involved and HR involved and compliance involved and all the good things that happen if the people go away on their own by understanding what your expectations are. It's also, too, when you think about a company's culture, it acts as a litmus test because it safeguards when you need to hire someone and when you need to let someone go, almost weeding them out without having to have some of those super tough conversations. And in fact, next week's episode is all about when to fire or when to hire new employees. Clarity goes deep and it makes the job of a manager or an executive easier. When the organization has been very clear on what they expect from employees, there's not much question. And so when the question of performance comes up, the ball is in the court of the employee, not the employer. The employer has done their job. So Lee wanted to make sure that as they managed cast members, as they helped cast members develop, that there was no friction in understanding what it meant to come to work and to be an excellent cast member. Therefore, all of the conversation was placed back with a focus on the employee to either help them develop or to reach the conclusion that they weren't the right fit for this organization. That saves a lot of time in communication. That saves a lot of time in understanding what needs to be done. But as we see with Lee, if you're persistent, then it starts to work and it starts to reinforce itself and it starts to lead to the success of the organization. And once we envision our future company culture, we start to ingrain those values as Lee did throughout your organization in a very clear way, clear being the key thing here, the next step to culture change is we must empower the right leaders. And I think if anybody doesn't think that your leader has an impact on your job, <laughs> we all know it. We know at Disney, even though we think we're hot stuff and we do a great job, that the main reason people leave the company is because of their leader. Main reason. We all do that. If you, We had an old saying, you know, your, your staff won't be committed to you unless they're 100% sure you're committed to them. So be careful of the decisions you make layoffs, policies, procedures, uh, discipline, because are you committed to me or am I just a number here? And uh, that's a tough nut to crack these days because there's pressure on the profit and pressure on the service. Lee emphasizes something fundamental that is easy to forget in the emotion of being a manager. 
if someone does not fit with the organization, if they do not have the capacity to be successful, even if they have the will, it's going to hold down your ability to serve your mission. The longer it takes to come to terms with that, the longer it holds our organization back. And so good managers, brave executives, wade in and make the hard decisions on human capital. Now, that doesn't mean you have to fire everybody if they don't fit. We come back to the seminal book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. And, you know, Jim talks about the company like a bus. You get the right people on the bus, you get the right people off. Oftentimes, getting the right people on the bus is about attitude and motivation and an emotional buy-in to the vision, a uh, mindset of optimism, not one of pessimism. Pessimism will bring everybody down. And if somebody's not living up to their job, what, the, what, what they can perform or what they should perform to, then you can move them to different positions. And so I think sometimes it's easy to forget that just because somebody's not performing doesn't mean it's a binary choice of let them go or keep them in the current position. You can move them around. You can change job descriptions. And if you think about the Disney culture that Lee was building, he provided an environment where people could move around. But again, at the end of the day, everybody had the same fundamental job of, of making sure that the customer had a phenomenal experience. And that's one of the things I want to bring up too that Lee mentioned in his interview was there was this transparency between managers and the people under those managers of, hey, if I have a weakness, it's okay to be transparent about that because ultimately that's going to help get my managers to see where I can grow. And even my manager, I know where my manager's weakness is so we can work together in this cohesive, hey, we're on the same bus, we're on the same team, as you mentioned from Jim Collins. Absolutely. And you know, the important thing is it gives you permission to fail. And when you can fail, you can learn because you're not going to have a 100% hit rate on trying new ideas and facing new situations that you've never faced before. And so when employees have that psychological safety and they understand that, well, maybe if I fail here, they'll find me another place. But as long as I'm committed to the fundamental mission, I can move forward. I can help the organization move forward. And I don't have to be scared about losing my job because I make one mistake. And finally, the last step to recreating your company's culture is to engage your leaders with the right training. Too many students are not getting a good um, understanding of what leadership and management looks like from their parents. <laughs> and then, and uh, then some of them are not getting it when they go into some of these companies they go to work for. There's a lot of bad habits and a lot of poor role modeling. And, you know, you see all the disruption in, in business today. People, CEOs lasting two or three years if they're lucky. And usually most of the problems are behavioral problems. They're not technical knowledge. They're the leadership problem. Hire them right, train them right, treat them right. You'll have a great organization. <laughs> the main thing is that young managers uh, – don't know how to have difficult conversations with employees that are many times much older than them. And they've got to talk to you about body odor or coming to work on time or with the way you look or the way you spoke to that guest. Difficult conversations. I'd be say that, let me tell you what, I've been talking about that a lot with my clients recently. And it's one of the biggest problems every company has. And that's why we have people in companies that shouldn't be there because we don't want to have that conversation because it's hard. So we've taught people that those kind of conversations should not be a scheduled meeting. They shouldn't be get them in there and tell them everything they've done wrong since they were born. If somebody's got a problem, you say, hey, it's John, and John's been coming to work late all week or last week. And you say, hey, John, you got a minute? Step into the office and close the door. Don't even sit down and say, hey, John, listen, I, 
I've noticed you've been coming to work late for the last two weeks. Have you noticed that? And he says, well, yeah. Is there a reason for this or something we can help you with? No, I just I need to get my act together. I said, okay, because we want to find out, is there an issue? Your mother's sick or your whatever. And uh, then you say to them, okay, I don't want to have this conversation again, John. You understand? In 90 seconds, you're finished. Otherwise, you're doing a great job. Take care, my friend. See you later. So we've got to teach people to do this because this is where we get screwed up because we're not correcting performance. We're not correcting the issue. Then eventually you wait it, you let it wait so long, then you got to terminate them. And shame on you because you're the reason you have to terminate them because you didn't deal with it. In addition to everything he did, he also created a culture of continuous improvement. In that, the cast members felt empowered to recommend small changes in the way that they did business or the way they delivered the service that could possibly cut costs. He wanted to make sure cast members were also uh, sensitive to the financial trade-offs in how they did their work. And he sent all of his managers through a financial training course. And the goal of that course was to sensitize them to the fact that if you could identify changes that would save the company a couple of pennies on an item, that that would have bleed-through that could lead to millions and millions and millions of dollars of reduced expenses. And in fact, uh, Lee said that if you could cut the cost, perhaps like straws or napkins or ketchup or, or whatever, by a quarter of a cent, that just a quarter of a cent could translate into $100,000 improvement in the financial performance of your unit. So again, this is an example that the best executives like Lee start big and at the 30,000 foot level with very simple answers to the question, why? And that's so effective, it filters down to very specific improvements in how you produce your service. And again, that's we've seen that excellence with Disney. And um, at the end of the day, you know, Lee says, you hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. And as we've learned podcast after podcast, that's really the secret sauce. And you only achieve that secret sauce if you've got the right culture. And with Lee... You've got it from A to Z and how you build that in, in, in an industry with a company that demanded it the most. So let's recap. If your organization suffers from poor culture, it's never too late. We simply must start with intention in order to implement change. First, we need to envision what we want our culture to look like. Invite other executives, mentors, or employees to the table and just dream. Next, we must ingrain those values into the company with clarity. Clarity manages expectations while filtering candidates to hire or let go. Be patient, this takes time. Lee rose to the challenge and he had over 40,000 cast members or employees, so there is a way. Then, we need to empower the right leaders. Are there employees who clearly embody our values that we set? How can we get them into leadership? Those are great questions to ask ourselves. A great book to help get the right people, quote, on the bus, so to speak, is From Good to Great by Jim Collins. And finally, in order to reinvent our culture, we must ingrain our leaders with proper training, either through newsletters, podcasts, starting value-based meetings, or, as Lee did, send managers through a financial course so they understand the monetary impact of their decision. 
If you want to hear more from Lee, he's going to be here in Indianapolis on November 20th, 2018. And if you want to get that information, click the link in the description of the podcast. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. Join us next week as we dive into answering the question, when do we hire or fire an employee? I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.